Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about writing a kick-ass bio. Ready? (laughs) 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 So I, I just yesterday was helping someone redo their LinkedIn profile in preparation for doing some outreach on LinkedIn to people in his target market. And so this is, this is fresh on my mind, um, Mm. sort of, uh, deciding how to talk about yourself in a way that is going to connect with the people that you want to connect with. Uh, but I, I think that you are probably coming at this from a slightly different angle than just social media bios. I think, you know, I'm imagining that you are thinking more broadly. So maybe, maybe you could sort of walk us into what kind of a bio you're talking about, where you would put it, the use of it, that sort of thing to kind of get us both on the same page. Okay. But I think we should come back to your example. Cause I think, um, you know, LinkedIn is, is a place that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I write about myself? What should I say? How long should my title be? All those kinds of things. So, I mean, first of all, we, we, we never have just one bio, right? We've got, you know, tons of them. I mean, you've got, uh, your website or what I call your origin story, someplace you're telling, you know, kind of how you started and why you're doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And you've got media bios and maybe a speaking bio and you're in industry associations and maybe you're writing articles with a byline and social media like LinkedIn. And, and maybe you've got, I, I always like to have a one sentence, you know, kind of snappy version when yes. you need that brevity and wit. And so you can, don't have to think about it. You just kind of pull it out and, you know, say the words. Mm-hmm. But um, so to me, I, I, I don't think you just have one bio, but what you decide with each one is what's the purpose, mm-hmm. which just sounds like what it was, what you were doing with this LinkedIn guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. So that sort of sets the stage. I, I, I was wondering if you were, um, when you brought it up, if you were talking about the sort of one bio to rule them all, and that's definitely not the case. I was going to, I was going to be very curious to hear about that because that would well, be, we, well, hard. we can talk about that too. <laughs> well, you, you broke it down. Great. You mentioned a couple of things that I have often needed and am very happy when I've got them prepared. So when they get out, of, they can get out of date and, and it's a bummer when you need one real quick, but you, you need a bunch of different length ones. And I, I find myself naturally for myself gravitating to a sort of a, I, I lately I've been calling it like a press page or a media page where you've got, you know, like if, if, uh, someone was thinking about hiring me to speak or come on a podcast, I would just point them to this URL and it would be like, you know, here's my, here's my real type bio. It's like a, uh, one or two sentences, just real quick kind of thing that you'd read while someone was kind of walking on stage for a speaking gig or just, you know, a real quick bio at the beginning of a, of a podcast or a webinar or something like that. But, uh, it doesn't go into the origin story. It doesn't go into a mm-hmm. lot of detail about that. And usually I don't, I don't bring that sort of story up front and center. It's something that you can kind of drill down to find, but, um, I don't, I don't make a big deal out of that because it's usually so long and, and, uh, I don't know. It feels a little bit self-indulgent to lead with that, like on a website mm-hmm. or something like that. So I'll kind of have like uh, the press page where I would send everybody. And then if, you know, if you were bored, <laughs> you want to learn more, <laughs> you can click on, uh, you know, it, usually I put it on an about page, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it gets into a lot more of the, you know, why I care about the stuff I do and background timeline, you know, 
it all started way back when, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know if it, when we had Ramona on, Ramona Russell on a while back and she brings that a lot more to the fore mm-hmm. where she yeah, talks, she, she talks a lot more about her uh, idiosyncrasies and, and what makes her unique and all that stuff. And from a personal standpoint and it doesn't seem like it would, it doesn't seem to have a direct business, uh, implication. You know, she's not talking about, oh, this big client, that big client, and all these, here are all these great things I did. She's talking about her dog and that she doesn't like to wash her hair and she swears like a sailor and, <laughs> you know, like right on her homepage. And I'm like, okay, this to me, to me, it strikes me as a little self-indulgent. But then at the same time, I'm immately like, I would love to work with this person. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it, it's yeah, personality, funny. right? It's funny because I'm kind of like, maybe idealistically, I'm like, eh, this is too self-absorbed, but it worked on me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, wait a second here. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. Well, you know, there are different ways to do it, and um, it, the advantage of of uh, of an approach like uh, Ramona, I'm going to say used because I'm not sure if she still has all that up on her site since she's made some changes. But the um, the advantage of that is people really get to know who you are. And there's a place for that. And I, I usually say the place for that is on the about page. And you can sprinkle, you know, an idea or two on your main page, but that's really the about page. And then there's usually a place and, and you know, I'm sure in, we'll, in a bit we'll talk about first person versus third person mm-hmm. bios. But traditional media, people who want to interview you, who aren't like bloggers and podcasters, traditional journalists, they're going to be looking for a media bio, which is a third person, you know, basically the facts. Uh, They don't necessarily want a story per se. They want the facts. And it's got to be front and center in, if not on a media page on your website, then clickable from your about page. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one way to think about it. So you can have the story and you can have it be really interesting and eclectic. And, uh, if that's you, Mm -hmm. right. But if you're more of a, just the facts, ma'am kind of person, then that's a little disingenuous to try to create something like that because then when they meet you, it's not going to feel like you. Right. Yeah. This is a, this is a place where being authentic is pretty important as if it's not important elsewhere, but this is really, you know, don't put on airs actually on my, it's, it's funny you mentioned the third person, first person thing, because, because globally, in my marketing materials, I speak first person. I say, I, I don't say we, it's just me. There's no reason to say we, except for, you know, the, on my press page, I said, you know, here's a cut and paste reference for, you know, if you want me to come in your podcast, here's a cut and paste. And I have it in quotes in the mm. third person. So, right. Because I, it drives me nuts when, uh, I, I don't like writing. Nobody, I feel like nobody likes writing in the third person. Certainly people who are not used to talking about themselves, they have a tendency to do it because they think it seems more professional, but I'm like, just, just no, just talk, like, just talk like you talk or write like you talk. And I find people, this is sort of unrelated, but I, people do this in proposals all the time, which I think is, I think is silly. (laughs) You know, it's like you had a conversation with a person, write up a proposal that summarizes the conversation and what you agreed to in the conversation. And, you know, none of this party of the third part stuff, you know, it's like, (laughs) 
you're not a lawyer. Just write down, I am going to do this. You said you would do this and move on. You know, I don't know. I, I, it's just part of my, I guess it's part of my personality. I just think it's like, you should write like you talk. Well, it, it's, it is the modern way of speaking and, and talking quote unquote on a website. But what I found is there's so many people that their comfort zone is the third person because it, let's take an example. I call myself the Renaissance consulting firm and it's really me. <laughs> and I hope maybe someday I'm going to hire people, but all of a sudden everything is the Royal we <laughs> on the website and, and everywhere. And it's it, and people feel more comfortable that way because they said, well, it's a firm. And, and sometimes, especially when they're first starting, people do that because it feels better. It feels like it's a firm. It's not just me. And then the other thing is it's different when you talk in the third person is different than in the first, because when you talk in the first person, you have to own every single thing you say. Mm hmm. So you can't say, well, we're, I, I'm the best at this and this and this and this. I mean, you just can't do it unless you're a narcissist, but that's a whole nother thing. So I find first person is not only good because it helps people relate to you more quickly, but it also forces you to be authentic. You can't sit there and, you know, beat on your chest and say how wonderful you are. You have to lead them to it with the breadcrumbs and you know, give them anecdotes and tell them stories and help them see that about you. So I think writing in first person is harder for a lot of people, but it's better most of the time. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, that's that. I've never thought about it like that, but it strikes me as true that the superlatives would come a little bit easier if you're pretending to be writing about yourself as if you're a reporter or something, you know, like leading expert on blah, blah. It's like, come on. <laughs> You know, I'm not yeah. shy. I'm not shy about saying, you know, if I'm good at something, but to it, it is, a, it is a place to hide. Kind of, it feels like uh, you can you can kind of hide behind it. Well, and hiding behind that means that it's harder for your potential clients and buyers to connect with you because it's mm -hmm. way easier to connect with Jonathan Stark than it is with the XYZ consulting firm. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, who would you rather know? Then that's that's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. So it's letting, you know, letting that guard down and and using that first person wherever you can. It's a really good practice to get into. So what what if it is a firm, though? And so I have a, a you know, students who are not just solo operators, you know, small firms. They've got partners and employees and regular contractors that they work with and uh, maybe this is off topic. Maybe this is a topic for another show, but it gets sticky with the sort of world of social media where if somebody's got a following under their own name and there's this kind of a disconnect between that and the company name, which may or may not be as well known mm -hmm. and it gets tricky. It's a strategy question. Okay. But if you think about bios with, with firms, then mm -hmm. you, you typically write we. Uh, well, let, let me rephrase that. In a website, you're going to write we, 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 we. <laughs> what I love when you have multiple partners and employees is then you can do the bios from the first person so that it's that person speaking directly and you can say I because it's who you are. Mm -hmm. I like that combination when you have a firm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so so we 
mentioned LinkedIn earlier and social yeah. social media is coming up too. So that is uh, another place where people obs- obsess over their bios. They just cannot <laughs> get out of their own way with the bios and there's constraints, you know, like certain ones you can't link in and there's, uh, you know, it, you can't put links in or you can't, um, you know, go beyond mm-hmm. a certain number of characters. You really have to pare it down. And uh, email signatures is another one that just people get all in a twist over. And uh, I have to say, when when someone is going through a kind of like a, a market research phase, or you know, someone comes to me and they've got this skill set, and they want to, and they're not getting any leads, and they're not getting, um, they're competing on price with people because they're sort of undifferentiated from the slurry of other people who basically do the same thing. Uh, and clients can't tell the difference between them except for the mm-hmm. price. Cause that's the one thing everyone understands. So when we're going through an exercise of, of, okay, well, how are we going to differentiate you? What is the problem that you solve? What is your ideal buyer? What target market should we go after? What's going to be the most lucrative small market? And, when you're experimenting with this, it's really tricky because when you're doing, let's say outreach or you're doing a lot of content marketing, you're, you're driving eyeballs to your stuff and Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know where they're going to (laughs) go. So you can send out emails nice because you can change your, you know, let's just say signature. You can change it depending on who you're sending it to. It doesn't have to be the same for everyone and no one else can really see it. So it's kind of private and it's easy. It's a great place to experiment or another place. Another great place to experiment is like some sort of in-person networking event. Where you're just sort of introducing yourself repeatedly all night long. You can kind of tweak the language and see what clicks with people and what rolls off the tongue and that kind of thing. I love doing that. That is, <laughs> I did that at a two day conference one time. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I could see the eyes reacting differently depending on what I said. Right. Yeah. They either glaze over or they pop open. But then you get to, you know, uh, you, somebody gets an email from you or you, you know, and they're like, ah, oh, who is this dude? They're going to Google you or they're going to mm-hmm. go on your LinkedIn or you're going to find you on Twitter. And, and you ideally those things would all make sense together. You know, all the, the bio that they see in each place. Uh, and when I was going through transition between two businesses, I took my bios off of all of my social media. I just left them blank. And because I knew that mm. as I was doing outreach, people were going to um, sort of, I didn't want to give them an easy out to sort of snap, make a snap decision about whether or not they wanted to learn more about me. So I, I took away that easy kind of shorthand, which then forced them to read my actual posts, or at least this is how it worked in my mind. So they would, they would hear about me. They'd get an email from me. Someone would send a link uh, at someone would refer me or introduce me to someone. And they, Oh, who is this dude? They go to my Twitter and it wouldn't, it would just have my tweets. So, and that, Mm -hmm. that was a mix of like a lot of social media accounts. You would expect a lot of stuff, everything from, you know, politics to uh, tech, to software development, to credit unions, to uh, billing and pricing stuff. And, you know, I, I was like, it took me a long time to land on that idea because if every time I put a bio in there, it made 75% of the tweets look like they were wrong. Like the account had been hacked or something. So it was like, if you took that away, it, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons to this, but that was the, the tactic that I settled on when I was straddling both worlds. And it was, uh, 
it felt right, but it was it was awkward. It definitely was awkward. Well, it has a lot of downside too because um, without a bio, there is no personality, and a lot of people won't read the tweets until they read the bio. So if there's nothing, like as an example, I have some clients where um, their strategy with with Twitter in particular is to follow other people in their sphere and that and they're they're fairly let's say they're fairly unknown and by following those other people they want them to look at the bio right oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a very specific strategy to start to get yourself known and the bio is what is the connective tissue it's that oh jonathan wrote hourly billing is nuts Right. You know, as an example, and you wouldn't have said that back then because that wouldn't have worked for your credit union people. Right. It was confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked on here about why having two businesses is really tough and maybe not your first choice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you do have this thing, even if you don't have two business, when you are trying to either rebrand or or update your marketing or any of that. And you're like, I've got these old clients who I think think of me in a particular way. And um, even if it's not a big pivot. Uh, you might be sort of niching down on a particular vertical or specializing in just one of your horizontal skills. You know, you might be, um, you know, I'm a JavaScript guy, but I'm going to specialize in Vue or React or something and and sort of niche that down. It's not, I think that's not as tricky because you can, you can see where someone is, you know, they've on a progression from one thing to the next. It It's not mm-hmm. as bad as like two things that are just seem completely unrelated. So it was probably in a pretty extreme measure on my part. But if we go back to LinkedIn, to your point about the, the bio being important, there's, I think it's called the headline on LinkedIn, which is the, which is you, basically everywhere on LinkedIn that your face shows up, which is a lot of places, you know, if you send a connection request or if someone does a search or uh, somebody say somebody else sends a connection request and you are a shared connection between the two parties. It's Mm -hmm. what shows up is your fit, your smiling face, which hopefully is a nice picture and your bio in your name. Of course, this is, you know, your face, your name and this bio line, which you can only fit about, in most places you can fit, I'm going to guess about 40 or 50 characters before it cuts mm-hmm. off. Yeah, short. Yeah. So uh, my my approach, it's probably the shortest of all of the things we've mentioned. That's probably the fewest number of characters you've got to kind of position yourself in somebody's mind as, you know, I do X for Y. And to me, that one is super important for people for whom LinkedIn is important. Getting that getting that uh, headline really, really punchy. I is worth putting some effort into, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. That's where I was talking about the one sentence snappy version. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the nice thing about really any of these, but in particular LinkedIn is, is you can change it pretty easily and you can hide the fact that you're changing it. So your followers don't get a notice that you're, yeah. you know, fiddling with your, your headline. Um, you know, it does give you a lot of options. And especially if you're going to do something very specific, like uh, ads or outreach to a particular group, you get that LinkedIn profile so, so aligned with what you're trying to do that people can't help but pay attention. Yes, I completely agree with that. I I have people sort of use their LinkedIn profile, you know, again, this is assuming that um, people are, you know, LinkedIn is a, a place where you're active. I suppose you could do this with others, but LinkedIn is the one that seems to keep coming up. 
with, uh, with my students because their, their audience is also on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. they, uh, use it. I have them use it as almost a testing ground before we start messing around with their website too much because it tend to something about something about people's website can really be a quagmire of emotional <laughs> sort of, you know, like, uh, oh, I yes. can't, you know, it's, it's like, um, there's a lot of foot dragging and a lot of rearranging the furniture. Like, oh, I just need to get these colors right. I'm like, come on, we're just, let's just go yeah. over to LinkedIn. We'll do your, your one liner. And I'm a huge fan of the, you know, I help target market with expensive problem. It's super straightforward. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you can't, you, you're forced, you're prevented from writing it, you know, three paragraphs of all the wonderful things you can do for all different sorts of people. You have to boil it down to sort of the pointiest tip of the spear and say, you know, your value proposition. And, you know, it, I'm sure I actually be curious how you have people do it, but I like to be, I like to go that way. And then when you, it's funny when you do a search in which you will show up and you look at what everybody else's headline is, you're like, wow, mine really stands out. Mine yeah. is like super yeah. clear. Other people are just like speaker, author, blah, 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 blah. You know, PhD right. is just like this word salad of, of me, 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 me. And all of, all the reasons why you should trust me and all the skills that I have. It's very, very much like a, more like a resume and not like, uh, um, it, it's not about the reader. It should, I feel like it should be more about the reader. And when you see one of these, that's just like, uh, it's kind of like the cocktail party answer to what do you do? Oh, I help credit unions with, you know, mobile technology, something like that. And it's like, oh, okay. I know some people at credit unions. Maybe I should put you guys in touch. Well, remember, LinkedIn started as a job search site, so it still reads like a resume for most people, and especially if somebody's looking for a job. So sure. they tend that 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 headline they think of that as their title, mm -hmm. like you know, CMO looking for new opportunities, right. as an example, right? But I, I like the way that that you started this off because if you look at that headline as your bio, and you say, oh. I need a 40 character bio or, you know, give or take a few characters. Mm -hmm. It's a different way to look at it. And I'd argue it's the right way to look at it when you're trying to build your authority and grow business from it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No it's argument not, there. It, yeah. If you're looking for a job, yeah. then, then obviously you're going to say, you know, CMO looking for work. Uh, sure. That makes total sense. But if you're, if you're one of us, so to speak, and trying to build a service business or build an, build your authority, uh, it's like hit them with the value proposition. Like I, I, I think of it like, um, like somebody, your name pops up on somebody's radar and it's too late for them to not pigeonhole you. Like you have pigeonholed mm -hmm. yourself so fast that you, there's nothing, there's nothing they can do about it. It's too late. They saw the, this short sentence and like, whoops, now you're, now you're in there. And, I, I love that as long as the thing you're, you're pigeonholing yourself in is, is what you want. You know, it's like, it, obviously right. you want it to be right. Um, but I know it's really hard. And one of the things that I've found useful in the past is to, if I'm going to kind of punt there and the person doesn't really know that you know, I can't quite articulate it yet, or we're really not sure if they're going to go with any kind of vertical, focus if it's just going to be a horizontal play and you know like oh i'm a whatever world you know core contributor to node.js or something like that 
then I love it when you can say Joe Blow, author of book title, because mm. books have a tendency to become a de facto position for you for hopefully for at least 18 months. Like when I wrote the first popular book I wrote accidentally became my positioning. Like I didn't realize that's what was happening or that's what it did for me, but it accidentally positioned me as an expert at a particular thing, mm -hmm. which was super helpful because when people needed that thing, I was the first person they thought of like that's positioning. Like it's you, you own yep. that spot in somebody's brain. So for people that are listening to this and are kind of like, ugh, I don't know who I help or I can't pick someone I help or I can help everyone. And you can't really decide about that. And that, that, um, that sort of template isn't going to work for you. Then maybe if you have a book that you're actively behind still, you know, something relatively recent that tracks or aligns with your current business, then saying something like, uh, you know, author of hourly billing is nuts does say a lot about you. Yes. That, and that's the key though. It has to be a good title. If yeah. it's one of these kind of mamby pamby, you know, there's a lot of bad book titles out there. But if you've got one that really speaks to you, I think it's a great idea. Um, the other thing is that that also helps to position your authority in that area in a way that I would argue is less, I sort of want to say less threatening, but I don't think any of this is threatening to the reader. But it's less threatening in the sense that, oh, this person isn't going to try to sell me something. This is an author. <laughs> this is an expert on X versus this is a consultant who wants to sell me a or, or a developer who wants to sell me a project. Right. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it's less salesy. Yeah, but it also elevates you at the same time. It elevates your brand because you're an author. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're, you're above that client service. <laughs> <laughs> Floating above it. Yeah, yeah. So are, how, do, how, how would somebody start to uh, get their various bios under control? You know, which, uh, which uh, ones do you think are critical? Would you start with... Um, would you start with, say, the backstory on a big About Me page so they can kind of get that off their chest mm -hmm. and brain dump all mm -hmm. of that? And the, the most self-indulgent one is probably, honestly, that's probably the easiest one for most people because you're just telling your story and you don't have to be too empathetic, I guess. You're just, you're just laying it all out there and then maybe use that as source material for some of the more, um, you know, trimmed down ones. Well, I like to, you know, I like to always think about about this from a strategic perspective. So in terms of the strategy, you know, you have to know who you are. You need to know who you're serving, how you serve them in ways that are different from the other people that serve those same clients. And, um, you know, you've got to be clear on that, plus understand your point of view. OK, mm -hmm. so when you understand all that, then writing your origin story, I don't want to say it's easy because writing this stuff well, it, it takes time and effort. It doesn't just like typically it doesn't just flow off the pen. And sometimes you get a really good first draft, but then you've got to play with it to make sure that, you know, the theme works for your business, that it's not just I was born in 1982 and here, you know, it, it needs to tell a story and have a hook and, and have a theme. So I, I always start with the origin story because to me, that's where all the gold is. And then you just figure out later after you've written that and, and you've worked on it, you've crafted it, it's, it's where you want it to be. You figure out which nuggets you'll use in LinkedIn 
which mm-hmm. nugget you'd use in Instagram and um, because they need to be tied together somehow, but different because the lengths of those bios are different. Your audience might be different the way they use that. That social platform is different. So you always want to not only make sure that, that what you're reflecting is really authentic about who you are and what you do, but that it also fits the platform. Yeah. Right now, you know, I have like, I'm, Twitter is my main my go-to. I've been on Twitter for 10 years, more 12 years since like 2006. Is that right, man? So uh, it's like, I'm super familiar. Like I get Twitter. I know how you operate on Twitter. I know how people use it. I know like what's expected, what the social mores of Twitter are. Mm-hmm. Instagram, I'm brand new to. I don't love it. Um, I kind of don't even want to be on it, but... <laughs> There's so many people there that I can I want to connect with that are there. So right. I'm kind of on there for more of a social, more of a social family point of view, even though it's extremely business oriented, not like LinkedIn, but like more like retail uh, mm-hmm. oriented. And I just sort of took my Twitter bio and pasted it into LinkedIn. And it's funny, I, I mean, into um, Instagram. And it's funny because I, I look at it and I'm like, that this is wrong. Like, this isn't right for Instagram. I haven't done anything about it yet, but I'm like, this isn't, it's too, I don't know. It's just weird. Like when I think of the people who are following me on Instagram, I'm like, this is, it's kind of a jerky, um, it's too punchy. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, bing, bang, boom, blah, 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 which I think makes a little bit more sense on Twitter. It's more like what people do on Twitter, mm-hmm. but it feels super weird on Instagram. But I don't know what to put instead. I'll probably just delete it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think I think you play with it a little bit at a time. I mean, to me, Instagram is uh, it's 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 a little filmy, if you will. It's it's it's, it feels like sometimes it's the idealized version of everything, especially like I'll look at at um, food and restaurants, design, architecture. So they're beautiful photographs. They're they're the life that you're imagining hmm. as an example, when you're looking at somebody else's Instagram you're, and not your own, you look at that. So it's a little bit um, more relaxed. It's a little bit more, I mean, filmy and not just because they have filters, but it, it just sort of feels like that. It's just a little bit of a different color on, on life. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue that for Instagram, you'd soften it some and you'd make it more personal so you might, you know, you might talk about the fact that you're a husband and father, hmm. for example, um, and you might talk about an interest like karate that you maybe don't talk about. I don't think you talk about that in your bio on Twitter. Um, so you, it's just you just relax it hmm. a little bit. It's just more relaxed. It's more you. Yeah, you're right. It's too far. It's uh, uh, you, it's not casual enough on yeah. in- Instagram. It's not casual enough. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, I think of it as, as your voice and, you know, we all have a voice and when we're doing authority work, I mean, the, the hardest thing and the most wonderful thing when you nail it is getting your voice consistently so that when somebody picks something up, they're like, Oh man, I knew that was him. (laughs) Um, and, and so then you take in social media, you take that core voice and you just adjust it a little bit. I mean, I find myself being more formal in LinkedIn um, less formal in Twitter. Um, I have a ball on Pinterest because I, I love playing with design stuff. I mean, it has nothing to do with my core work, but I do enjoy it. I go in there and play with it. Um, so, so 
it's it's really how you want to express who you are on those on those different platforms and and you don't even have to be on all those platforms and that's mm. the other thing i mean I, I think what's important with social media i believe is is you pick three and you say Here, here's where i want to be because it makes sense for my business and then if you have time and the inclination by all means add the other stuff but don't drive yourself crazy trying to be on seven platforms because as a soloist, it's pretty much impossible to do justice to all of them. You probably have one uh, that's your main go-to where you're pulling clients or referrals and then the rest of them, you know, support that primary one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, and it's, it's related to the topic because I think it might be a little bit of a, a little bit of a surprise to people to think about not having the same sort of pat answer in every in every platform. Yeah. One of the things that I talk about a lot is laser focused positioning statement. It's like for people who are completely new to the whole notion of marketing, I kind of boil it down to something that's I hopefully is is uh, a very mad libs kind of template that they you know, it's just like plug in some words here and let's run with it. Uh, you know, we'll do some sort of a campaign, see if there's any traction here. Maybe we'll pick, you know, a couple of variations and just get some feedback, but we need to start somewhere. And it's basically like, I am a discipline who helps target market with expensive problem. Unlike others, I have a unique difference. And mm. uh, people, especially the first sentence is especially the, the middle part, target market, expensive problem is the most important piece. Your discipline is kind of important in situations. You might put it on a business card. If you have business cards, you might want to know what you call yourself or what you th you think your sort of job title is. Um, and then the unique difference part is really hard because people usually don't even know who their competition is. Or if they do know who their competition is, they don't know how they are different in their meaningfully different in their customer's eyes. Anyway, the thing about it is once they, once they, once we've settled on something and it feels right and the, the person is like, yeah, you know what? I can get behind this. It's not a thing that you necessarily use. You probably won't use it as a headline or verbatim anywhere. It's just this guiding light. Mm -hmm. It's like a test. Basically yes. you put on a sticky note on your computer monitor and go to all <laughs> these other places and try to make sure that within the boundaries or those the norms of that platform or that the expectations of that place that you're going it is consistent but it suits the the context so a lot of times when i talk about an lfps people don't they forget that piece that you're not it's not like doesn't have to be verbatim it's like a private thing for you mm -hmm. to kind of just know okay this is this is this is going to be me from a marketing this is going to be me to the outside world um my internal version of it, but I still have, you still have to craft these individual little, whether you want to call them bios or these little summaries or intros yeah, yeah. Uh, based on it so that it, it keeps them consistent. Uh, so you're not just like all over the place. Well, one of the things, the way that I like to do this is because um, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, you know, we've, we've shifted their positioning and their messaging. And so once we're done with all of that and, and we've written the copy for the website, as an example, we've got the origin story down, then I like to take and I'll do it in different documents so that I can refer back to them and have them labeled. But I'll do a different word document for each bio mm -hmm. and I'll typically do them. Uh, most of them all in one sitting because somehow, you know, once you're rolling, it just yeah. kind of makes sense to do them all. 
and I mean, this is just a little administrative tip, but if you have a separate document for each one and you label it appropriately and you put it in a file on, on your computer that says bios, um, you've got a quick way to update them because I guarantee you are going to forget where the heck your bio is. (laughs) You're like, Oh, it's still, you know, I left that association three years ago, but my bio is still up there. Uh And so, I mean, sure. you, You can also, you know, keep an inventory. I mean, do what works for you. But the point is document the bios and what I do, which sounds insane, but I, I just naturally do it is I keep the old versions I don't just write over them because sometimes there is a way that I phrase something and I'm like, I can't remember exactly what that was I said, but I really liked it for X mm-hmm. and you can just go back and find it and pull it out. Yeah. So yeah. And you've got it all in one place. So if something changes or you decide you just want to go after a, a specific sub audience, you know, you've got all kinds of material there to work with. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I, I have a, a to do on my list that's been there for a week that says update bios and and then it's when you sit down and think about every place your bio is it's in a lot of places oh yeah is it all over the place and it's like you know i have an author page on o'reilly i have an author page on amazon Uh, they're they're like obviously twitter linkedin I've got a Google Plus bio that shows up in Google. Like, I don't touch it. I never mm-hmm. even think about mm-hmm. it. But someone was like, oh, you, you should probably update this because if somebody searches for you and it comes up as like a business uh, on the side right. and it's like this, you know, from 2006, like description of myself. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, like, what well, what do you have people do? Like, just Google yourself and see like where like, oh, yeah, that's me, you know. Well, that's one way to do it. I mean, the other way to do it is to say, say, okay, so what organizations have you been in? And, you know, and you can make a list, you know, business, community, industry, and you start to go through that. I mean, we, we just went through this um, a couple of weeks ago with a client who got a major award in his industry. Mm. And so we knew we wanted to update his bio on the three sites that he writes for and on uh, his two websites in addition to that. But trying to find out where else he had bios was hysterical. It was like Keystone Cops trying to figure out, oh, yeah, it was this one. And then, I, I mean, I found some that I don't think had been touched in 10 years. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I know it sounds boring. In Inventory. Mm-hmm. You know, and all you need is a is a file on your on your computer in your Dropbox that says bios and just label them and you'll be able to find them again. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, it's so fun. I'm thinking like right now, I'm like, you know what? I had an about me page. That's probably still up. Uh, Friendster, oh, yeah. MySpace. Like, <laughs> how far back do yeah. you go? And you know how you find out sometimes? Hmm. I, I was doing a, um, I think it was a Twitter chat and they were doing a label and they had this picture of me that I haven't used since like 2011. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I looked a lot younger, so I liked that part. But it was like it wasn't, you know, nobody else is going to know that that's me. And so, um, you know, I, I had to figure out where they found it. And then I, I finally tracked it down. And it was something that I'd done in, uh, I think it was the um, blog spot. Was that what it's called? I think that's where I started blogging originally. Uh-huh. And it was, and, it, there was still, it still existed. My old blog posts were still there with this old picture. Yeah. I'm like, oh crap. So yeah, 
I mean, we're not really talking about pictures, but that's how you sometimes that's how you find it is that somebody pulls some crazy picture of you and you're like, where the heck did that come from? Well, this this has happened to me before where somebody will someone will, uh, you know, I'll send a link to somebody and be like, OK, here's here's the stuff. Here's my here's my press bio. Here's the short one liner or two liner that, that I'd like you to read. And then they ignore it and Google you and come up with yes. some other weird one. It drives me crazy. So. You know, and I don't, yeah. I don't blame them. It just drives me crazy that I can't get that other garbage off the internet. So it's like, cause in a lot of places you really don't have control over a slide share. That's another one that I, yes, Vimeo, uh, YouTube, I, like mm-hmm. I have profiles on all of these services and I'm like, oh man, like even as we're talking about it and depending <laughs> on how somebody found you in the first place, they may do, they may create a piece that you would love to share, but they use the wrong bio and you're like, oh, now I can't share yep. it. And I'm like, I don't want to yep. share it because it's going to propagate this bad information or this out of date information. It's super frustrating. Like you get a big, you know, article placement or something. And then they, they would call me like a oh, desktop software developer. No, I haven't done that in 15 years. <laughs> but, you know, but the, the reporters moved on. They're not going to go back and update the article. And now I don't want to share it. So it's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're building your brand, you're building your authority and naturally you're going to change things as you go in your bio, things change, but it's, yeah, you want to at least have all of the major suspects, i.e. whatever shows up on the first three Google pages. Yeah. You want to have those all current because most people won't go past three Google pages to try and find out about you unless, you know, they're stalking you and they want to know (laughs) what you've done for the rest of your life. But usually by the first three pages, if you can keep those pretty clean, then you should be okay. Hmm. Theoretically. There you go. Yeah, that's good. All right, cool. I thought this, I thought this was going to be a short episode. We ended up talking about (laughs) bios from 17 different (laughs) angles. But yeah, it's important. You want it to be, you want it to be consistent. You want it to be updated, uh, across all of these places. You want it to be consistent for the, the context that you're in, uh, but also consistent with the message that you're trying to get across. Yeah. And, and you want some personality in there. And, you know, sometimes I'll say that to somebody and they'll be like, personality. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. But if you start with, you know, if you focus on who you're trying to reach and then you start to inject some of you in that, and I know that's hard in a 40 character headline, but you can get a lot into a 140 character uh, uh, Twitter profile. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed at what you can fit in 140 characters if if you, you know, do it smartly. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, keep experimenting and and that personality will come out over time. All right, cool. Do we uh, have anything else to say on that? Yeah, I think I think it's a good end spot. All right, great. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time on The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.